0: Okay, ready? Yep. There we go. <clears throat> okay. Hey yo, I'm CK and you're listening to Practice. I'm your functional systems integrator and this is my podcast where practice is not just the theme of the show, but the whole purpose behind it. What started out as a practice of podcasting, as well as speaking in general, has evolved into a practice of self-coaching and self-reflection, while exposing half-thoughts and providing unsolicited advice. As always, I'm fortunate to be joined by my practice partner and partner in life, Pam. Hey, that's me. Pam is also my pattern awareness manager, and every Sunday, we reflect on the past week and my progress with this practice, along with other lifestyle practices, as well as theories and ideas behind the virtues of practice itself. We're doing this on the fly, so don't hold me responsible for what I say here. Make sure to check out my show notes, where I'll provide some fact-checking, self-psychoanalysis, and commentary on things I could have done better. You may find this and more information about this project at forcesofequal.com practice. Today we're recording on Sunday, September 27th, 2020. And this is our 31st practice session. And... We're kind of starting out a little slowly today. ran into (laughs) some issues with outside noise and our annoying neighbors' cars. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we're a little razzled up, or I don't know what...
1: Just had a little bumpy start.
0: Yeah, little annoyances before we got started. But anyway, now that we're recording... I don't know what I'm going to talk about. You
1: got nothing so, today?
0: Well, I mean the thing is I I like before we started recording I started thinking about what I wanted to talk about and then I had all these different ideas and thoughts running through my head and then I felt like I had a good idea of what I wanted to talk about but I also didn't necessarily have anything solidly formed. So it's all kind of still evolving from last week when we were kind of on our in our relaxation mode and not thinking so straight. (laughs) But I've been thinking a lot more. And I've been I mean, we got out of the relaxation mode this week and got back into the flow. And I've been. Doing more thinking around philosophy and all the different things that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks. So I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of these concepts are still abstract in my mind. And I think I'm just kind of using these sessions, especially the past few weeks, to try to wrap my head around the things that I'm thinking or try to verbalize these thoughts to hopefully generate more connections and whatnot. That's the whole point
1: of talking about philosophy, (laughs) right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I guess so. (laughs) So I guess that's what we're doing. All right. We're just doing some Sunday philosophy. There you go. (laughs) So anyway, let's just get started with our quote for the week. And actually, I'm a little... I'm not certain about which quote that I want to use so I think so I'm kind of I mean this is how frazzled my mind has been this past week I'm kind of between two different points and I think I'm going to go ahead and go with what I think that I want to talk about (laughs) and so this is going to be a little different and it's not an ancient philosophical quote not that Bruce Lee was an ancient philosopher, but <laughs> this is actually coming from someone that I've talked about before, I mentioned before. His name's Arthur Kessler, and I had just finished reading his book, The Ghost in the Machine, which I've been reading for the past year, basically, and I just finished reading it last week, and so it's gotten me thinking a lot, and that book has been is probably the single most influential book for me at this point because it put together so many concepts and ideas that I've been al- already thinking about, that I've already been thinking about. And these are concepts that I had been developing since childhood even, and I think a lot of my uncertainties and cognitive dissonance arises from concepts like these where it's not talked about very much in general society. And so I've kind of been battling between these concepts and the general concepts that society has just fallen into as a routine mm-hmm. so it was exciting for me to begin reading this book over a year ago and to see these concepts put together in words and theories and organized in a book and i talked about how much i love books before and this is this just goes to exemplify like the connection you can get from a book and someone else's work. And I believe what I read from Kessler afterwards is that this book took like 15 years or so for him to write Hmm. because all of the concepts are so... uh, They're pretty complex. I mean, he's talking about complex systems and consciousness and metaphysics and quantum mechanics so it's just pretty really complex. light stuff <laughs> yeah and so yeah for me it was really cool to see all this being put together because as i was saying before a lot of it is more on the abstract end of the spectrum in my mind but i have like this notion or kind of intuition that there's something To be derived out of these abstract things. And Kessler just kind of laid it out really well and it aligned very neatly with what I've been thinking. So it was really cool for me. And the book opened up a lot of stuff. And a lot of the things that I've been talking about throughout these practice sessions are based a lot on what I've learned through Kessler's writings. And so I'll go ahead with a quote. Well, actually, I think I need to describe or clarify some things first because the quote talks about holons, which we've talked about before. And to refresh our memories, holons (laughs) (laughs) holons refer to everything basically as being a part and a whole at the same time. So I use humans as an example. Humans... In themselves are a whole so a human is a whole system within themselves but they're also part of a system whether it's the social system or the ecological system or the solar system or the universal system or you know there's all these outside systems around us that Mm -hmm. influence our own system so Holons just mean that everything is a system and also part of a system. Okay. And then Kessler's concepts and what I've been trying to articulate with complex systems are based on a hierarchical level. So he calls it an, I believe he calls it an open hierarchical system. And it's open in the sense that there's no end to the hierarchy and we can even translate this to our current reality where we really have no end to the top of the system. We don't know where the end of the universe is. So in that sense, it's open. So beginning from starting with humans again, you know, if you move up toward the universe, there's no top to the universe mm-hmm. that we know of yet and even if there is one. and I, uh, uh, my mind's starting to go into space <laughs> and uh, astronomy. So, oh man, I, now I just start thinking about dark energy and dark matter, and this. <laughs> well, you got oh. me thinking
1: about how they just found um, basically the basis for life to be on Venus. So oh like, yeah yeah so it's like this idea that even though you think that maybe you can see the entire hi- hierarchy there's always something else that is possible or something that else could happen that right. is outside of what you see as the hierarchy like it's it's not static in that sense it could always right. be open ended
0: exactly so in addition to that in terms of the hierarchical systems in order uh, I want to clarify this in terms of what he's trying to convey so basically it's it has to do with the holons and the levels of the holons so starting with humans again the hierarchy in terms of the social system will start with you yourself and then your immediate family would Mm -hmm. could be the next level and then your extended family could be the next level from that. And then it could extend out from there, whether it's your ethnic origin or country. And then extend out, obviously, f- to the planet. And then extend out to the solar system, and then the galaxies and the universe. So these are like the levels of the hierarchy that he's talking about. And OK, so now I'll go into the quote. Okay so this is by arthur kessler and the quote is holons on successively higher levels of the hierarchy show increasingly complex more flexible and less predictable patterns of activity while on successive lower levels we find increasingly mechanized stereotyped and predictable patterns okay Hmm. so it's there's a lot of words in here but taking the example of the social system, we'll break down the first part of this, which says, holons on successively higher levels of the hierarchy show increasingly complex, more flexible, and less predictable patterns of activity. So on on successively higher levels. So if we start from the human level, the higher level would be the immediate family, and then a higher level than that would be extended family. Mm-hmm. So as you move up, the levels. So as you move up from yourself to, let's say your family system, there's... so the sentence goes on to say the hierarchies show increasingly complex, more flexible, and less predictable patterns of activity. So there's less uh, or I'm sorry, so there's more autonomy as you go higher in the level. So actually the social system doesn't make sense with this. <laughs> well, uh, yeah,
1: what's confusing in there to me though is um, increased flexibility, because you would think that like, that you as an individual would have increased flexibility, whereas once you get into a higher level of hierarchy that there would be mm-hmm. less flexibility.
0: Right, so, so I used a bad example for the systems. Okay. So let's try maybe in terms of an a system of like authority or something like that so
1: like government work like if yeah it was like exactly. city government state
0: federal exactly exactly okay. so i mean that's not necessarily a one-to-one correlation because now like now i'm thinking <laughs> politics and
1: right do you have an example What do you mean? Uh, Do you have an example of a good whole-on system that works better? Yeah.
0: I mean, let's take government in its simple sense, where there's the local government, and then there's... So there's the city government, state government, federal government. And obviously, the federal government oversees the state governments, and the state governments oversees the city governments. And so in that system, the federal government, which is the top of the hierarchy, has more flexibility in terms of their activity.
1: Because and, of their autonomy.
0: Right, because of their autonomy. So they're more Got autonomous, it. they have more flexibility, and they can they have the ability to become more complex or initiate more complex policies or practices or whatever you want to say. And then when you move down, so I actually government's a really good example, because when you move down from the federal government to the state government, the state government is under control of the federal government. So there's less autonomy, less flexibility. And of course, as you move down to the city governments and then yourself, you're limited to what your city government stipulates and your state government stipulates and the federal government stipulates. So does that make sense now?
1: It does. I was thinking of flexibility not from the sense of autonomy. When you pose it with autonomy, it makes Mm -hmm. sense that they have more flexibility in the decisions that they make because of their power structure. I was thinking of flexibility as in that like when you have a smaller system, it's easier to make a decision between two people than it is to make a decision between 100 people. So Uh, you're less flexible with like more oh, people at a saying. higher level, so I think just the word flexibility might be a little
0: confusing okay. there. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, that your example, the uh, interaction between two people being more flexible, that kind of exemplifies the autonomous nature that you have within your own hierarchy, basically on like a lateral level. So you have autonomy within your hierarchy in that sense but excuse me but if you think about the next level of the hierarchy your autonomy in that in that scenario of being flexible laterally is still under some control by -hmm. the hierarchy above you yeah so we're kind of getting a little complex with this and More, maybe more complex than we need to, but this is just all to kind of exemplify or try to articulate how we as humans don't necessarily have as much free will as we may think that we have, Hmm. and we're not necessarily in control. Of as many things or as in control of many things as we think we are and it's kind of a cry for more mindfulness on my part I guess in terms of like I mean this is what I've been trying to do since i have started this podcast or especially the last couple weeks is i mean we're always talking about mindfulness and consciousness and conscious competence and etc and this is just uh what i'm trying to show here is that there's levels of control per se that we have to consider so um i'm hesitant to get into politics but it's such a good example there's so much information coming out now and there's so many puppeteers pulling on the strings here and there and we're so inundated with information and media and social media that we don't necessarily see the strings being manipulated And these strings are being controlled by the systems above us in the hierarchy. And so if we're not mindful of how we're being controlled or what we're being dependent on in the hierarchy above us. Okay, so let me start that sentence over again. If we're not mindful of how the hierarchy, sorry. If we're not (laughs) mindful of how dependent we are On the hierarchy above us then we're being controlled without knowing about it Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the whole point that i'm trying to articulate here is that we need to be mindful and we need to be mindful of these hierarchies in this complex system in order to move forward and assert ourselves rather than thinking we're asserting asserting ourselves when we're actually asserting the concepts or ideas from the hierarchy above us that's sending it downstream into Mm -hmm. our consciousness. Does that make sense? It does. Um, I don't want to
1: get, as you said, too political about (laughs) it, but the word that's coming to mind is manipulation because the hierarchy can be used for good, which it is in a lot of cases. But Power can also be used for manipulating people to do what you want them to do. And while obviously we don't want anyone to manipulate other people for bad reasons, um, it's going to happen. And it's on you to be aware of your position in the hierarchy and how those in higher levels are using their position and their influence to control what you know or are told and how that influences the decisions that you're making that feed back into the system.
0: Right. Yeah. Well done there. It's <laughs> it's very complex. And when you th- start thinking about this kind of stuff, it gets pretty meta and you start thinking about all the different ways that things cross over into each other. And that's the thing. Like, these days, a lot of thinking is very binary. And it's either this or that or yes or no or black or white. But there's a lot of maybes and grays. And we talk about spectral potentiality all the time. And it things in reality are not binary. It's on a continual spectrum. Mm-hmm. And we as humans put boundaries on things and categorize things and it makes things easier for us because if we didn't do this then we'd have to figure out every little thing every time we couldn't function as humans because we wouldn't know what to do we, everything we encountered would be new and we'd have to figure it out all the time so while it's beneficial to categorize and put boundaries on things We have to realize that that's just that, like it does put constraints on what actually is there. And this kind of elaborates on what we were talking about last week with language and the word love specifically, where we put words to these concepts and feelings like love, but it's... it's, like love is very limiting and we bound it you know with that word and categorize it as love but it's you know how do you how do you explain love right it's a like a spectrum and it's a feeling and it's abstract and it's different so, for everyone exactly exactly so we have to remain mindful of how things are connected and continual and spectral rather than this cycle of binary thought that we're constantly just routinely well
1: we're we're stuck in it because it's it's almost easier in the sense to just say a or b but um to kind of tie this back to the idea that we were talking about at the beginning with like that there is no limit to the hierarchy, that there's mm-hmm. there's no bounds. Um, your, your knowledge and your view and what you understand, like if we're talking about whether things are binary or, or not, your knowledge, uh, you can only make decisions based on what you know, and you only know a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like the idea that you can say something is A or B, from the limited amount of knowledge that you have is absurd.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you put it that way. So yeah, great point. So I'm actually not sure where we are on time because we oh, left yeah. the recording going in the beginning. Of the I think we're about 20 going. minutes in. Okay, cool. So let's keep going on this. And I've been on this thought cycle of how do I put this? I mean, I've been going on about emotion versus reason a lot lately and separating thought from feeling and incorporating the headless way into my thought processes. And in doing that, I've, I'm have i still experiencing a ton of synchronicity. And I think what's happening is that I'm starting to find my creative self again. Or kind of rediscover it. And what I'm finding out, which is just crazy to me, is that it's all falling in with everything else that I've been rediscovering or kind of falling into. And so... Uh, so, okay, it's so actually... Uh, Continuing on about Arthur Kessler, I started. So I finished Ghost in the Machine and I started the book that was previous to Ghost in the Machine, which is called The Act of Creation. And that kind of sounds religious or something, but it's actually creation in terms of creativity. Hmm. And It's really interesting to me just the way that I've fell into these books this way, because I don't remember exactly how I found out about Ghost in the Machine, but I'm sure I was looking into metaphysics and metacognition and consciousness and all that stuff. And I didn't really know about his other books, but after reading The Ghost in the Machine, He's mentioned the art, the act of creation, a lot throughout that book. And so I started getting interested in it. And so I started reading that this week. And he starts going into how creation or creativity falls in line with his notion of the holons and open hierarchic systems. And what I'm finding a lot of Oops, sorry, (laughs) knocked my microphone there. (laughs) What I'm finding a a lot of coherence with is how creativity is very much in line with emotion whereas objectivity obviously is in, in line with reason. And I've been, when I was a kid, I was super creative and I was very artistic and I was very musical and I've carried on with my musicality through high school and college, where I picked up the guitar and played in a band, and I've been messing around with music and finally started getting back into it a lot uh, this past year, or the past few months. And I'm kind of seeing how this correlates with the four stages of The Headless Way, where the process of becoming or going through the process of the child to, or I'm sorry, the baby to the child, to the adult, to the seer, where the child is very much about themselves and really don't see themselves. They just see what's out in front of them. So, the child has no head. And I'm sorry, that's the baby. Sorry, I'm totally getting- (laughs) Getting ahead of yourself. Yeah. So, the baby has no head and just sees the world. And the child begins to understand that they are a self, and but but they're not so tied up with that. They're still very much about what's out there and very much not uh, self-absorbed. And then you become the adult, which is very much more conscious of themselves and see themselves in the mirror and see themselves how other people see them. Mm-hmm. And then the seer is where you take all this and reinstitute the concept of the baby where you have the notion of yourself as well as having no head. So it's yourself and having no self, basically. Mm-hmm. I kind of went through that real quick, but hopefully <laughs> that still makes sense after talking about it past the past few weeks. But anyway, in terms of creativity... And creativity having to do with yourself. It's creativity is your self assertion. You're asserting your own creations in your own head out into the world. And I I guess you could assert it to yourself as well. Hmm. But Creativity is not rooted in reason. It's not rooted in objectivity. It's very much more subjective and emotional and feeling based. And taking that into consideration, I'm seeing how I've kind of lost, well, maybe not lost, but kind of restrained or stuffed that creativity down through like my 20s and 30s because I was so much in the adult stage of the headless way and I was seeing myself as everybody else was seeing me or how I thought everybody else was seeing me. And so now it's, it's just crazy to me that I'm getting back into music and I'm feeling this creativity and I'm considering these concepts of emotion versus reason and creativity versus objectivity. And now I'm starting this book, The Act of Creation, which is the prequel to the book, which is the most formative writing that I've read in a long time, if not ever. And so, I don't know, I'm just kind of rambling on here about how I'm rediscovering my creative self and as I was saying before, I'm trying to assert myself more into the super system because... I've been so inundated with my thoughts and and how I want to fit in the super system for so long throughout my life. So it's just it, it's just cool to experience all the synchronicity and it feels really good to I mean I, I don't know maybe I'm rationalizing things and connecting things for my own benefit somehow not that there's anything wrong with that but it just feels really good to to know that like i'm going in the right direction like all these things are falling into place and it doesn't feel like i'm putting a lot of effort into it it's just happening so yeah i'm kind of rambled on a lot there (laughs) do you have any response to that
1: um, I've got I have two completely different directions. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so when you're talking about the headless way there and how you're now able to move out of that phase where you're so focused on how other people see you, mm-hmm. are you saying that you were less inclined to create for those years because you were afraid of how people... Would see your creations or hear your music or afraid of
0: judgment? I'm not sure. Like, I well, for sure there was some of that, but when I think about it, I don't know if that was like the reason. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure. It's like, it's not necessarily one thing. It's just kind of in overall systemic mental attitude or something.
1: Or maybe that you were doing what you thought society expected you to do rather than being a creative person. Is that right, part
0: of it? yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Um and it's it's not like I I fell into that mode of thinking consciously. It's just how how things fell into place, I guess. And, uh, you know, I did, I got really interested in science and logic and objectivity. So maybe there's a factor of that in play.
1: Like you thought that they were in opposition?
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what I thought. Like I, I it, yeah. you know, it's all abstract, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it.
1: Well, I'll give you um, funny observations from your astrological chart, oh, which cool. is that your fifth house, which is the house of creation, which is creativity, so it can hmm. be associated with children, but it's really anything that you bring to life, which hmm. includes art and creation. That house for you is ruled by. Pisces, which is a water sign, which is very about emotions.
0: Hmm.
1: So it's um, so the kind of the message there is that for your creation is going to involve tapping into emotions and being in an emotional state. Right. And along with that, today, Mercury, which is the planet of um, gathering and sharing information and thinking. Moved into Scorpio, which is mm. your rising sign, your ascendant sign. Mm-hmm. So it is com- is it's conjunct with your ascendant right now, and they're uh, they're in Scorpio, which is another water sign, which is deep emotions. So it's like mm. the dark, deep water that um, you're kind of like plunging the depths of maybe emotions or topics that people don't want to talk about. Oh, wow! So it's interesting that you're getting into this emotional stuff in our conversation today. Yeah about your creativity
0: man that astrology stuff is so crazy (laughs) (laughs) i'm still not sure how i feel about it (laughs) but yeah that actually brings up some things now because i feel like a lot of my creativity in my adult years or creativity per se was very calculated and methodical and i'm very strategic in the things that i do and i was actually talking to our friend selena about this a couple of weeks ago in terms of well we were talking about how we get in our creative modes or you know how we balance our creativity with our logic and whatnot because we're we're, we're me and selena we're very similar mm-hmm. or selena and i or me uh, yeah selena, selena and, and i and <laughs> And so it's interesting what you're saying because it feels like now I'm trying to tap into the emotional side of my creativity, whereas before I was still creative in a lot of ways, but it was all very calculated and Mm -hmm. Selena uh, mentioned the same thing, like she was very much the same way and Selena does a lot of creative work in like acting and producing and writing and stuff like that. And she feels like she's very methodical and calculated in her creativity. Whereas when I see other man, my voice. So when I see other creatives like, well, so there's the, there are experimental creatives and conceptual creatives, which I think I've mentioned before, where I'm very much more experimental where I just keep chipping away at things and keep experimenting with things. And this is very much in line with how, oh, man, who was it? Mm, Cezanne, the artist Cezanne painted. He painted the same thing over and over and over again. So he has a lot of very similar paintings, whereas someone like Uh, Who would be a conceptual creative, someone like Picasso, Mm -hmm. who just comes up with the concept in his mind and just paints it, uh, you know, just lays it down right there and his work is done. And so I was kind of trying to find how to become more conceptual in that sense Mm. because I'm so strategic and methodical. But now I feel like music's kind of bringing me into that more of the emotional realm and yeah i feel like there's a lot of like music like the audio and the sounds there's it, it to me it feels like some kind of like uh like a portal into this dimension of creativity and um like emotion So, yeah, I I have a lot of thoughts going around on this, and maybe I can expand upon it next week or sometime later, because there's uh, I'm seeing, and, and this is very abstract, but I'm seeing something going on with how I've been able to decouple my vision from my sight. Does that even make sense to you?
1: You're going to need to explain that one a little bit more.
0: Yeah. So with the headless way and seeing things as having no head, in meditating in this manner, I've been able to decouple my vision from my sight. So I can look at something and kind of defocus. And what I see is just colors and light versus objects. So, so, so sight, so sight is our sense. So sight is how our sight is what our eyes see, our eyes take in sight, but vision is computed per se by Mm. our brain. So our brain calculates and basically categorizes and puts boundaries on the information that it takes in from our eyes. It looks
1: for patterns and and puts it together into objects.
0: Exactly. And this is the same concept as what I was talking about with words and language, how we put certain patterns and constraints and boundaries to concepts and feelings and put them into these words. So our eyes will do the same thing with what we see and so, that's why we might see something and when we take a second look, it's not actually what we thought we saw in the first mm-hmm. place. You know, what we thought we saw, our brain put that together, but then when we actually look at it, you know, it might be something different. And so, you know, your, your vision isn't always what you see. So, I've been able to kind of decouple that so that what I see isn't computed it's just light it's just light and colors so i don't really see anything it's just kind of all a blur ever yeah <laughs> no when i'm meditating
1: oh you didn't say that
0: oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> i was really confused <laughs> yeah sorry okay uh, that, yeah that that might make more sense yep now but yeah it, it's when I'm meditating uh, on this specific concept and also when I'm trying to bring this up throughout the day, if I need to use it for whatever reason. And so I'm beginning to get this same feeling with hearing and sound. And I'm beginning to decouple is it decouple sound from hearing? So sound is what your ears take in and hearing is how your brain computes it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's the right terminology, but I'm much less annoyed with outside noises and stuff these days after (laughs) developing this notion and now, like I, uh, and, and now this gets into abstract part and stuff that I am trying to wrap my head around, but um kind of playing, uh, I got this synthesizer last week that I've been playing and it's been keeping me up at night because I mm-hmm. just totally fall into manipulating these waveforms and it, and this is kind of putting all these concepts together for me and this, it's just so fun and I just zone out on manipulating these waves and I could I get to see the waveforms on the synthesizer, it has a screen, and it's putting, so it puts together quantum physics for me, and audio, and the notion of trying to separate sound from hearing, and all these different things, and I think it's all kind of, there's interconnection between that and what I'm experiencing with the vision, so yeah, there's a lot going on and a lot I'm trying to wrap (laughs) my head around, so... (laughs) Yeah, so that's that's that, and I think Mm. I've I've been enough. I've been abstract enough throughout this session, so we could probably end it there.
1: Yes, dear listeners, I live with this weirdo. I get to uh, (laughs) experience this all day, every day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it feels like we went on quite a long time. Yeah, so let's leave it there for this week and start. Closing it up. So, Pam, where can people find you?
1: You can find me on Twitter, where I am at pamela underscore lund.
0: And you might be able to find me on Twitter at ckdisco. And uh, I'm not going to say anything more about that yet. So <laughs> we'll leave it there. I, so picking up this synthesizer and all the music stuff I'm doing, I'm uh, I've been I've been conceptualizing a lot of stuff to do on social media. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm not going to add any more pressure on myself just yet. (laughs) So we'll leave it there for now. And so thank you to the listeners for joining us this week. And as always, thank you to Pam for joining me. And I hope you come back next week and keep on practicing. To Lou.